Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Yet again, I'm joined by Oscar. How's it going? It's going great. You know, I got almost all my picks right. In fact, in the main event, I guessed that Nganu would get it done by knockout. He did. Your guy Stipe was on his back at the end of the night, and uh, we welcome the era of Nganu. Yep, yeah, as you said there, we welcome the era of Nganu, and it's going to be a long era, in my opinion. Uh, I just don't see anyone beating him anytime soon, especially how great he looked in that fight. He seemed to, you know, correct the mistakes he learned in the first fight. He corrected them, worked on them, and he came back a different fighter. He did. He's only getting scarier. Before uh, this fight, he was already the scariest guy on planet Earth. He only got scarier last night. He had takedown defense. He was very patient. He was relaxed. And he was, you know, doing strikes that he wouldn't have done before. The first strike of the fight was a leg kick. In that other fight, the first thing he did was bum rush Stipe and try to land a... Uh, huge missiles in uh, from his hands. This time he kept it, you know, nice and calm. He was doing everything he needed to. He had basically a flawless performance. The only thing that uh, really didn't go that great for him was when he got hit with that uh, bomb by Stipe that wobbled him a little bit. But in, in the end, that's actually what won him the fight. Stipe got overzealous. He rushed forward and he got clipped and folded like a lawn chair. Exactly. Uh, before we get into that, I want just want to guys. I just want to say to you guys, we're on nine hundred and forty-eight subscribers as as we speak. Fifty-two away from a thousand. That would be incredible to hit this year. Uh, it was a goal of mine to in this year, and uh, to hit it so early in this year it would be absolutely incredible. So fifty-two away. If we can make that happen, that would be incredible. Incredible. So make sure you like and subscribe, and uh, put that bell notification on so you make sure and so you know when we upload. So anyway, back to the episode. Uh, sorry for that little bit of delay. But yeah, Nganu versus Miocic. Incredible fight for Nganu. And uh, a lot of people are saying, what happens now? Does it, does, does um, Stipe get that trilogy? Or does Nganu move on to maybe Jones? Uh, maybe Lewis? What happens? What happens in your opinion? I think Nganu has to fight John Jones next. That's the only guy who, in my mind, can beat him. Simply because of his unbelievable fight IQ. And he's never lost a fight in the octagon. Uh, you know, he's had that little slip up with, uh, who was it? Uh, the blind guy from Tough 3. That oh just, God. you know, it was it was Matt just unfortunate. Hamill. Yeah, Matt Hamill. Those 12 to 6 elbows. I think that rule's a little ridiculous. Uh, John Jones is the greatest of all time, in my opinion. And Francis Naganu possesses the tools to beat him. He's got ridiculous power. His cardio looks to be a little better. He's got new tools, and I wouldn't be surprised if Francis would knock him out, but I do think John possesses the ability to beat him. And in my opinion, he's the only guy to do it to uh, to possibly beat Francis. But also, there is Derek Lewis waiting in the wings. He got that big knockout over Curtis Blades that dropped pretty much everybody's, everybody's jaw, and Derek Lewis did already beat him. That was the old Francis. The new Francis probably knocks his head off, but you know, Francis probably would like to get his revenge. So if John Jones does not come to terms with the UFC on um, uh, money, on a new deal, whatever is going on right there, we're probably going to see Francis and Derek Lewis uh, headline a pay-per-view in a couple months. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, John Jones took to Twitter, uh, had a little, you know, a little back and forth with it. Well, I, I want to say back and forth. 
it was just him really talking to the UFC. Um, he asked for his release, uh, did stuff like that. Um, and then he said that he's going to get a call from the UFC next week, a contract on, on the table, and uh, he's going to move from there. So that's interesting to see what happens there. Um, obviously, I hope they get the Jones fight. We get that sorted because that's, that, that's probably the biggest fight in UFC heavyweight history. Might be the biggest fight, period. That fight is everything you want out of MMA. Two high-level mixed martial artists going in there, and you know both of them can beat the other. And that right there is the fight that is at the top of my wish list. I'm not saying it would be like a ridiculous war like a Shogun and Henderson. It would just be a fight where you would be on the edge of your seat the entire time because Francis could always knock him out. And John is just, he's been in danger in his last couple of fights. The Rays fight, the Santos fight. As a John Jones uh, fan, I was sweating like, unbelievably. Uh, just, it was something that did not make me comfortable, you know. And if that's the same Jones coming there against Francis, he probably loses. But I do think Jones with the, with the weight gain, with the new division, I do think he would be more motivated and we would see just like an epic performance from John. But that's just, that's an unbelievable fight. And it's one fight that the UC cannot afford to let uh, slip it. They can't let it slip through their fingers. There's fights like GSP and Anderson Silva that never happened. There's a ton of matchups that just never happened. If the UFC doesn't get the deal done, this is going to be another one of those matchups. Exactly. You mentioned there fights that, have never, that were supposed to happen but never happened. Uh, if we look at fights like that, we're thinking about you know the likes of uh, Couture versus Fedor. That was meant to happen. That didn't go down. This is up there with that kind of, kind of fight. Uh, if this fight gets booked, the hype... Uh, under this, the part behind this fight would be incredible. Uh, the embedded would be amazing. The countdown would be amazing, and they would absolutely stack the card. Guarantee it. Uh, if this fight did go down, and it would probably be one of the biggest pay per views in UFC history, in my opinion. Um, it will probably be in the USA though. I don't see him taking it to Africa. Some a fight like that. Uh, maybe if he beats Jones, then they take it to Africa. Uh, but, you know, he has a great opportunity to beat Jones. You mentioned there in his last few fights, he's been looking a little bit sloppy, looking like he's slowing down a little bit. Um, but, yeah, he's gained a lot of weight. 245 pounds John Jones weighs currently. Yeah, he's definitely going to be slower. That's just how uh, how physics works. He's going to be slightly slower. And if Francis is the quicker guy that night, he's going to win. John Jones has always had, you know, that, a great chin. I, I don't ever, I don't ever remember of him ever being in trouble on the feet, ever being staggered or even dropped. Uh, that doesn't really come to my mind. The the Machida fight, he took a couple lickings there. Uh, Dan Henderson probably would have been the guy to uh, to make him uh, eat a huge shot, but we never got to see that. And Francis is definitely going to land at least one shot. Even the old Francis who fought Stipe was able to land a couple bombs. Yeah, exactly. An intrigue of matchup. Uh, if we do get Jones, I'll be over the moon. Uh, but if we get Lewis as well, I wouldn't really com be complaining. I think it'll be a totally different fight to the first. Yeah. Uh, if it's anything uh, like the last fight, it could be detrimental to the star power of both men. But I know both men care about their reputations and they cannot afford to have another lazy just low volume uh, 
low action fight, they know they have to deliver or they'll be perceived as, you know, timid fighters by the fans. Well, let's talk about Miocic uh, quickly. Uh, the loser, the heavyweight, in, still, in my opinion, he's still, you know, the heavyweight goat. He, he achieved, you know, the, he achieved what Alvarez couldn't do in the heavyweight division. Defended that belt three times. Uh, I think he defended it six times. Uh, I think he equaled that with Couture, or maybe five times, maybe one behind Couture. I'm not too sure. Uh, no, he's had six title fights. I think, it, I think, yeah, he's equal with Couture. I'm not too sure. I, I'm close. I know that. Um, but yeah. What happens with Miosic now? Um, there, there is a few contenders out there. Maybe he could fight. But what I would like to see is um, Ngarni is probably going to fight Jones and Lewis next. If if Miosic sits back and does what he did against DC, I, I reckon he could get probably an, a trilogy fight. That is possible. We know Stipe likes to have long layoffs. Even after he beat DC that time, he took about seven months and a half off. He likes the long layoffs. And after getting knocked out like that, he's going to have a long layoff. So I honestly can't even matchmake for him right now because who knows when he's coming back. But a matchup that I honestly would like to see would be him against Curtis Blades. That's a guy who's, who would be looking to out-wrestle Stipe. Uh, somebody who would not, you know, knock him out like that, I don't think. And it would be a winnable fight for Stipe and something to get his uh, feet under him again. But I also do think that there's a good argument for uh, him getting a title shot straight away when he comes back. Yeah, 100%. He's the greatest. Yeah, exactly. The greatest heavyweight of all time that we see inside the UFC. Uh, there's a few contenders. If he does come back quite fairly sharpish, uh, you know, you've got Volkov, uh, you've got Blades, uh, some great fights. Um, but yeah, we'll move on to the co-main event. Vincent Luque defeats Tyron Woodley uh, via submission in the very first round, three minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, 56 seconds into the first round. And what a wild fight this was. Uh, Tyron Woodley goes in, goes in swinging. And that's the perfect way. I know he's lost, but I think that's the perfect way Tyron Woodley can send himself off. Yeah, I told you guys, even if the old aggressive Tyron Woodley came back, Vicente Luque is so dangerous. This guy carries so much power in his hands. And the right hand from Tyron Woodley is fairly predictable. And Vicente Luque was able to find the openings and land the big shots. And Woodley was so rocked, he even had to grab the fence to keep himself up. And eventually Woodley got that uh, got stuck in that Darce choke, which uh, kind of a coincidence. That's what he did it there until he rocked him and eventually submitted him. And he's probably gone from the UFC. We know he's a free agent right now. That was the last fight on his contract. He gets paid a decent amount in comparison to uh, other vets like him. The guy is a legend. He defended that belt four times in one year. Uh, I have nothing but respect for him, but now it's not his time anymore. Uh, he's not a top player anymore, as we saw, but Vicente Luque is. Vicente Luque has beaten anybody who's mediocre competition. Any Anybody who's below that top five, he probably knocks them out in spectacular fashion or just the way he does it, he finishes you, and he adds you to his highlight reel. If you look at this guy's highlight reel, it's endless. He was once like on a six-fight finishing streak, all finishes. He rarely goes to the judges. And the only guy he didn't finish was uh, was Mike Perry, and he left his nose on the other side of his face. Luke is so dangerous. I would like to see him fight 
Mm, let me think. I would. I do think that fight with uh, Leon Edwards, we already saw him fight in the past. That's a great rematch. I do think that both guys have evolved since their first fight, and it would be more competitive this time around if you ask me. Uh, that's good matchmaking if you ask me. Do you think that's the right fight to make that rematch that we saw a couple of years ago? 100%. Uh, in that fight... Uh, I, if I can't remember to some heads, but I'm pretty sure Leon Edwards might have finished Vincent Luque in that fight. No, he didn't. It was unanimous no. decision. Or, or am I thinking? Oh, I'm thinking of uh, Luque versus Balao. I don't know where I got that. I don't know where that come from. Luque uh, yeah. has a granite chin. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I remember of uh, Luque um beating Balao, knocking him out. Um. I don't know. I don't know what came on top of my head then. Anyway, yeah, uh, they fought a few years ago. Luke uh, unfortunately dropped that uh, dropped the decision that night. Uh, but now he's looking better than ever. Uh, got that win versus Randy Brown. Got the win over Nico Price, and now he's got the biggest win of his career versus a former champion in the division, Tyrone Woodley, a guy you know who's uh, defended the belt four times uh, against some of the best names in the division, against some of the best fighters. Uh, finished Darren Till via submission, and uh, he looked he looked great in that fight, and uh, he got. Unfortunately, in this fight, you know, he got submitted by, uh, I think they said on the broadcast, that, that was his favourite submission, Tyron Woodley's. That was uh, Tyron Woodley's favourite submission was the Dash Choke. And uh, ironically, uh, he got finished uh, with the Dash Choke. So, uh, yeah, um, Tyron Woodley, as we, as you mentioned there, he's a free agent. He's not in the UFC no more. Um, then White said pre- pre- the post-fight, uh, it's unlikely. Well, he said he's 38, uh, four-fight losing streak. Uh, then he went, yeah. Uh, so it looks like he's not going to re-sign him. Uh, so maybe he goes off to maybe Bellator, maybe one championship, or maybe just calls it a career. Uh, but Vincent Luque, the smart fight for him next is Leon Edwards. And I think that'll be a perfect fight to headline a fight night. Yeah, Leon Edwards says he's looking to fight in a couple months. And if you really want to fight, fight a guy you already beat, you know. If you're really th- that great, if you're really deserving of a title shot, Fight a guy you already know you can beat and a guy who has gotten better to put a stamp on that win because I don't think Leon has earned that title shot just yet. Well, let's talk about putting stamps on win. Uh, there's one guy that fought on the weekend that did that, and that was Sugar Sean O'Malley. He absolutely decimated Thomas Almeida in this fight. Um I think he went for the highlight reel knockout in the first round, you know, when he walked away. And I thought, like, if he maybe followed that up, he would have got the finish. It would have looked better. But nonetheless, it, he, he still looked great. He looked phenomenal. Um, I said before this fight, um, before the, for, at the preview show, I don't really think this fight should be happening. I think it's a complete mismatch. Um, I think they're both fighters at completely different rankings at the moment, pro, to, pro, totally different um, positions in their career and the rankings. And, uh, I, I was correct. I think uh, Thomas Almeida's on a free fight losing streak, but heading into this, now he's on a four fight losing streak. Yeah, I just didn't think this fight made any sense. Uh, but they, it happened anyway. O'Malley looked good. Uh, finished Almeida with a beautiful combination. And then that right hand, that ground and pound, that big right hand puts the lights out of Almeida and finishes the fight. And, um, he called what well, he well, he he called out Dominic Cruz and Dominic Cruz texted Chael Sonnen and said, "I want that fight." That's interesting. That's one hundred percent the matchup I want to see for Sean O'Malley. He needs to a step up in competition. He had that against uh, Marlon Vera, uh, but that was uh he said it was a freak accident. That was a little bit of a, of a you know strange circumstance. 
uh, Cheeto Vera's toe hit a nerve in Sean O'Malley's leg, whatever. Uh, I do think Sean O'Malley was going to win that fight. Uh, that would have been a very competitive fight, but I did think Sean O'Malley was going to win that. Uh, regardless, a legend, a former champion like Dominic Cruz, that would be the fight for Sean O'Malley because we just saw right here a guy who's a little lower tier. He absolutely picks him apart and knocks him out. And that last hammer fist he landed was absolutely brutal. Uh, Mark Smith was a little late to uh, stop that. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Tom Thomas Almeida gets cut from the UFC after this. Four fights uh, on the bounce that he's lost. Um, the UFC, you know, they're very, you know, strict. And uh, wouldn't really wouldn't surprise me if he gets uh, cut from the UFC. Uh, but yeah, uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Dominic Cruz. That's a tremendous fight. And uh, I'm down for it. Um, maybe even a Marlon Vera rematch. I'm, I'm down for that too. Yeah, Dana did make a good point. The Vera rematch will always be there, and it would actually be uh, better if we saw that fight, say, in three years, where both guys have uh, have evolved even more, and we can uh, look back and uh, kind of like with the Holloway Poirier fight. You remember, you look back at those guys, you saw how much they changed, how much they got better. Uh, that would be a little cooler if you ask me. Yeah, exactly. A great point. Even, you know, the McGregor versus Pori, uh, that fight happened so long ago, then the, the, the rematch, and uh, we saw how both guys involved, and uh, Dustin Pori involved just that little bit more. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't get how Pori is the underdog in that rematch. He's actually the underdog. I don't I don't get it. Even Michael Chandler said that with a couple small tweaks, Conor McGregor beats him in the rematch. I just don't see that. Yeah, early prediction, uh, Dustin Poirier knockout round three. That's what I'm going for. Anyway, <laughs> we're not here to talk about that. Um, Jillian Robinson versus Miranda Maverick. They put both women put on an absolutely incredible show, uh, a show that week on this weekend. Uh, a great fight from both women. Uh, Miranda Maverick comes out on top with a free round unanimous decision. And uh, yeah, she looked good in the fight. Her striking looked good. Uh, but what impressed me in most of was her wrestling skills. Uh, in round two, we saw her in a little bit of trouble. Uh, but the scrambles in this fight was incredible. Uh, both women were scrambling to save their life. Uh, but Miranda Maverick, uh, what I saw in this fight is that the the size and the uh, the size of her and like the how strong she looks in these uh, exchanges is uh, beyond me. And uh, I think she's a real problem. <clears throat> Sorry, I think she's a real problem in the UFC uh, women's flyweight division. And I feel like she can go, you know, maybe to the top five. Uh, I'm not too sure whether she could be a champion or maybe a, a, a former title contender at the moment because I haven't seen enough of her. She's very young. She's 23 years of age. Um, 23 years of age. Where would I like to see her go next? I mentioned this in the preview and I said I would love to see a matchup with her and Macy Barber. And I think that should be next. That makes a ton of sense. Uh... We saw Macy Barber suffer a setback against uh, Alexa Grasso a couple months back, and uh, Miranda Maverick would be no easy fight. We saw that she's very physically strong. She has that farm strength. She grew up on a farm, probably carrying uh, things that are heavier than a lot of people do when they're younger. And she's very big. She's, you know, she's a bully in there. You saw her striking. It's just mean. It's high volume. It's constant, and against somebody like Jillian Robertson, whose main goal is to strangle you, Jillian Robertson did get a hold of Miranda, and she was not able to strangle her. So that's a huge positive for Miranda Maverick. She can 
She can survive on the ground against a high-level black belt like Jillian. And she can also strike with the best of them. And Macy Barber is a really aggressive striker. So that's a fun matchup right there. That would be uh, guaranteed uh, fireworks on the feet. Yeah, we saw in this matchup, um, Miranda Maverick was just levels above Jillian Robertson on the feet. Uh, it, it, you could you see that instantly. Uh, she was clipping her at will. Uh, she was she was setting the pace of the fight on the feet, and uh, she was using her strikes effectively and uh, lighting up Jillian uh, Robertson on the feet. Yeah, Jillian uh, Robertson. I believe she had some sort of eye injury, and since then she's only done uh, like like uh, like not the hardest of sparring because she doesn't want to uh, do a lot of damage to her eye. And uh, uh, after that, it's probably not going to be as competitive uh, against the high-level strikers for her. So uh, I do think uh, she has to work a little bit more on her stand-up. But Miranda Maverick, she's only 23. She's still doing school on the side. She's only going to get better, and that's uh, pretty scary. So if Valentin retires... I'm calling it right now. Miranda will be your champion. Wow. Uh, that's huge from Oscar. A very bold prediction. Uh, she definitely has potential in the division. And uh, I would love to see a matchup with her and Basie Barber in the future. But you said there a word, crucially, that kind of brings me a segue to the next bout. You said damage. And, uh, oh, my God, did Jamie Malarkey put damage and come over in this fight. 46 seconds is all it took for Malarkey to end the night. And uh, you don't get paid for overtimers. That's what they say, don't they? Yeah, I never I never questioned uh, Malarkey's uh, power here. I actually thought Kamaworthy was going to be the one putting Malarkey to sleep. But he always leaves himself open. Uh, Worthy, when he goes for those shots, he leaves himself open. He's been knocked out a ton of times throughout his career, which is why that Devontae Smith... Uh, fight was such a huge upset. Devontae Smith has ridiculous power, more power than Malarkey, and it was worthy that I got to win that night. So this was a huge win for Malarkey. I was quite confident in uh, Malarkey, like as an underdog. If you were thinking about betting underdogs that night, Malarkey was probably the guy to bet. He actually has the better wrestling. He has the better ground game, and that's how he would win this fight uh, most times. It wasn't this time. He got a knockout in under a minute. And it was a tremendous way to kick off the main card. And Malarkey didn't look that great at the Waynes. So I didn't I didn't think of betting him uh, then. Uh, but that didn't matter. He looked like a million bucks that night. And uh, I would like uh, him to fight another striker. Because he just put out a pretty good striker and worthy. So maybe he fights Devontae Smith next. Yeah, Devontae Smith, maybe Alexander Hernandez. Uh, that that would be a, a great fight. Uh, but yeah, you said uh, you mentioned uh, before we uh, before we went live. You said you talked about Worthy's chin, and um, it, it played a massive factor in this fight. Uh, yes, it was a great punch, uh, a, a very crisp, sharp left hook over the top, but it just grazed the chin uh, of Worthy. It, I felt like he maybe thought he was out of range, and uh, maybe wasn't going to get clipped, and uh, maybe it caught him by surprise. Yeah, he leaves himself open a lot. He's been knocked out a ton of times. Uh, Malarkey was the one to find the shot that night. And uh, who knows how this fight plays out uh, 10 times. Because 10 times out of 10, I don't think this happens. There's so many fight this, There's so many ways this fight could have gone. And this was just a, just a wild one. Mm-hmm. So we had some incredible prelims as well on the, in, on the card. So we'll talk about a few of them. And I'll start it off. 
Uh, we'll talk about Alonzo Menfield, if you like. Absolutely. Uh, this one was short and sweet. I knew Alonzo Menfield would get a first-round finish, and he did, but not by knockout like he usually does. This time around, he studied his old opponent, OSP, and he got that... Uh, over uh that the Saint Pru choke up. What's it called? The the Von Flu choke, yes. Von Fruit, yeah, yeah. It should be called the Saint Pru choke. He's done it so many times. Uh yeah. We saw uh Fabio Fabio Sharon, I believe it is. He yep. held on to that guillotine and uh you know what happens when uh when you hold on to that guillotine and the other guy's inside control. He can get that Von Flu choke, just put that shoulder on your carotid artery and uh get a nice victory there with uh style points. That was one of four von one of four von ch flu chokes in UFC history, I believe. And uh, who would have thunk it? Alonzo Menafield getting a first round submission in the UFC. Yeah, I, that was definitely uh, not uh, the way I saw it going. Uh, if it was going anyway, I thought Alonzo Menfield would get the better of him on the feet, and maybe if, if Fabio would get the better of him on the ground. And uh, Alonzo Menfield just used his size and uh, and just you know absolutely put the pressure on him. Uh, early on and got that submission win. I believe they said on the broadcast it might have been his second submission win in his career. Yeah, I didn't even know he had a submission win on his career. He's never really fancied himself a grappler. And in this case, he was able to use it uh, defensively and uh, also offensively at the same time. Uh, he did beat uh, Paul Craig, but we really didn't get to see him tested like that. Uh, really good win for Alonzo Metafield, and there's a ton of great options out there for him. I do think Eric Anders would be a fun fight. Uh, there's so many good fights in this middleweight division. Wow, that's an incredible matchup. But yeah, his first submission was against Bryce Ratinho Co. Uh, I don't know who that is, uh, back in 2018. But yeah, that was his second career submission uh, in the professional ranks. Um, yeah. Eric Anders, that's a tremendous fight. The shape Eric Anders came into his last fight. But I believe Eric Anders, he's been saying on Twitter that he has a fight signed. Uh, so I'm not too sure um, whether that, that would probably be next. But that would be a great matchup if it does happen. Um, should we talk about an, uh, a controversial one? Yeah, this was uh, quite controversial. Uh, this fight right here was between two light heavyweights. Modestus Bakalkis and Mihal Olegzeshuk. And this was, you know, prime for a knockout, in my opinion. I thought there was going to be a knockout in this fight. If you told me this one one of the judges, I wouldn't have believed you. This was uh, not exactly what I expected. Uh, we saw a lot of improvements from Modestus Bakalkis. He was uh, quite patient, and Mihal was not. He was in his face the entire time. He was throwing bombs. Uh, I do think this fight was given to the wrong guy by the judges. I do think Modestus Bukowskis did enough to get it done. Uh, the third round clearly went to Mihal. He got a nice body shot, and uh, unfortunately, he was unable to recognize that Modestus was badly hurt. Uh, that probably did, uh, you know, cause him not to get the stoppage. But uh, Modestus Bacausis was improved. He was uh, more patient. He landed more strikes. If you look at the strike uh, counts for uh, each round, he did land more strikes. So it probably went to uh, Mihal because he was just the forward-moving fighter and always trying to take his head off. And I was also impressed by Mihal's cardio. Usually we see him fade a little bit later in fights, and then he gets submitted. Uh, Medicis Bukowskis really didn't uh, want to take it to the ground. He 
knew this would be a fun fight on the feet, and it was. Definitely. For as long as it lasted 50 minutes, it was an incredible fight on the feet. A great way to kind of start off the card, you know, set that momentum. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think this fight went the wrong way. I think, um, I'm, I'm not being biased, but I think Modestus Bacalcus won this fight. Uh, round one, round two, I think he, you know, round, uh, I think it might have been round two. He edged it just. Uh, round one, I thought he won. And uh, round three, you know, as you said, uh, Michal, or Michal, you know, he won that, he won that round clearly. Um, uh, but he failed to like you know uh, he failed to what's what's the word capitalize on the uh, when he hurt and you know Modesto um, uh with a body shot. Uh, so who knows what would happen there? But I thought Modesto Bukalkus should have got his hand raised that night, and unfortunately uh, he didn't. Uh, but it was a close fight; could have went either way, uh, depending on the judges who you have that night. And uh, yeah, let's uh, talk about uh, one more. Uh, what we go with Oscar? Yeah, the first fight of the night was, uh, there's a lot of con uh, conversation pieces on this one because, uh, my goodness, Abu Azatar came in with reckless abandon and he simply didn't have the gas tank to back it up. Uh, did you think it was going uh, Boo's way before he completely gassed out? I, I, I think it was um a, this way, to start the card, it was a bit, you know, uh, sluggish. I thought the fight was a bit all over the place. I thought uh, on the feet. Um, uh, I, I thought it might have begun a booze way. I think uh, I had him. Uh, I think it was what I think I had him two 0 up actually heading into the third, and uh, Mark got that finish. Um, but yeah, um, I, he just gassed out really bad. I thought the fight was all over the place. It was just really sluggish. Neither men uh, really looked great. Uh, no disrespect, but neither men really looked great. Yeah. Uh... Marc-Andre Barrel, in my opinion, he did get that uh, second round off of volume because Abu Azatar was so exhausted that mm. he was just, he was basically offering no defense for Marc-Andre. Marc-Andre has slightly better cardio, but as you said, not excellent cardio. He's no Max Holloway who can throw a record amount of strikes and say, oh, wow, I'm a little tired. Uh, this was uh, two middleweights in there who uh, who definitely came to fight, but uh, I do think that both guys were expecting to get a knockout, and they never got it. Uh, Mark Andre did get the stoppage later, but my goodness, uh, that the ref probably let it go on a little too long. As you see right there, he landed 190 total strikes in that third round. Uh, we saw Abu Azatar basically defeated his body was defeated it was not his mind because you could see the guy was doing just enough to uh to not allow the ref to stop the fight but uh it was a ton of unanswered strikes uh that mark andre didn't need to land uh a blue atar i don't know what went down how exactly did he fall because some people were saying the ref tripped him some people were saying he was so tired uh that when he was going for his mouthpiece, he was so tired, he just fell over. I don't know what happened. This was a sloppy fight, which is why I really wanted to talk about it. Uh, Marc-Andre Barrel got the top uh, top mount so easily. There was no resistance from Boazetar. It just landed a ton of ground and pound. And if he had a, li uh, a little more uh, left in that gas tank, he would have finished it quickly. But it was very ugly. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> a perfect way of putting it. It was very ugly, very sluggish. And uh, 
Yeah, it was an interesting way to start off the card. And uh, we moved on swiftly uh, to a fight with Shane Young versus Omar Marais. And uh, Omar Marais, you know, bounced back with that 30-27 uh, in this fight. Uh, outstruck uh, Shane, uh, Shane Young on the feet and uh, earned a, a unanimous decision. A quick quick thoughts on the, on the, on the fight. Uh, Shane Young came to the fight, but he just wasn't the better striker. Omar Morales is a problem. This guy was undefeated at lightweight, and he said, hey, the, a lot of these lightweights, they're really not that willing to fight. They, you know, they have a ton of disputes over matchups, over pay and whatnot. And he said, let me just go to a division that's easier to uh, to rise the ranks in. And he went to featherweight. He had a tough matchup against Giga Chikaze. And uh, Shane Young was a better matchup for him, and he, he outstruck him and won over the course of uh, 15 minutes, and he looked awesome. Yeah, exactly. A great way of putting it. He looked awesome that night. Um, talking about looking awesome, uh, Numaga Madoff. Uh, I was going to try and pronounce his first name, but I won't bother. Um, yeah, he looked great that night. Outstruck. Uh, well, he didn't even outstruck Gooden. Uh, but he got that, you know, four minutes and eight seconds, 18 seconds of control time with one takedown. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, we saw straight away Gooden wanted nothing to do with a boo car on the ground. He had his hands way down, anticipating the takedown, and that was a mistake because a boo car was able to, to tag him over and over again. If you would have told me a boo would have had Gooden on trouble on the feet on multiple occasions, I wouldn't have believed you. A boo car is a... Uh, he, he doesn't mind striking, but... As you as you saw Habib in his corner, they were trying to stick to father's plan. They were trying to get those takedowns, uh, that control on top, and uh, impressive performance by Bubukar. We saw that his striking has gotten better, and that Jared Gooden just has a lot of work to do. If you ask me, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that's the the end of the UFC 260 uh, preview. Uh, we have a few more minutes if you want to quickly preview the Bellator 255 uh, producer Pitbull versus Emmanuel Sanchez. First, uh, I have uh, two thoughts. Uh, number one, congrats to Patty Batty Pimlet. He got that signing to the UFC. Awesome stuff. You've inter interviewed him before. He's shown that he really wants to be in the UFC, and his wish came true. Uh, congrats to Patty. And also, Darren Till just got out of that fight with uh, Marvin Vittori. If Alexander Volkanovsky is uh, healthy right now because he did have a a fairly severe case of COVID that got him out of the fight with uh with Brian Ortega. I do think maybe put the title fight right there because uh he's staying in the U.S. in anticipation of this. But if not, uh who knows who steps in for uh Darren Till? Maybe Kevin Holland. Do you yeah. think Kevin Holland is the guy to do it? Yeah, Kevin Holland has expressed his interests of uh, stepping in. Uh, so most likely he is the guy to step in, and uh, I'll move forward. Yeah, these, those guys have thrown a couple jabs on social media. Uh, those guys uh, would have a fun fight. Marvin Vittori, as you saw in his last fight, his striking has improved so much. He's a fun fighter to watch. And another fun fighter to watch is Pitbull, Patricio Ferrer. My goodness, that uh, finish of uh, Michael Chandler. I did think it was an early stoppage. But the fact that he was able to drop somebody as good as Michael Chandler, a guy who's won multiple belts in Bellator, uh, that just shows how good he is. He's a double champion. Not a lot of guys can say they've done that in this sport. But Emmanuel Sanchez will not let it be easy for him. 
Manuel Sanchez uh, has done pretty well in this Grand Prix so far. He got that win in the first round, I believe. Uh, who was it? Uh, he got a win over Daniel, uh, Daniel Weishel, uh decision. Yeah, absolutely. He he did look like a like a million bucks in that, but I just don't think he's to the level of Pitbull. Pitbull is just on a different level right now. I do think this guy, if he went to the UFC, he could definitely be in that top three mix in the featherweight division. Um, in the lightweight division, who know how would who knew who knows how it would go for him? But uh, I do think he's an elite talent, and he's going to showcase his skills. Uh, this night, do you think Emmanuel Sanchez could uh, offer threats to him on on the ground or on the feet? He's called El Matador for a reason. He puts a lot of pressure on his opponents, and he's going to go in there and put a lot of pressure on Patricio Pitbull. But it only takes one shot for Patricio Pitbull to put your lights out. We've seen it in his last fight against Pedro Carvalho. That was a vicious finish, a vicious stoppage. And uh, we see, as you said, you put we saw it against Michael Chandler. Uh, stopped him. Uh, if you look at his, uh, the one before, um, his Pedro Carvalho, he you know he fought Juan Archuleta and he won that fight. He then he beat Marco Chandler uh, and then he actually beat Emmanuel Sanchez. This is a rematch. Uh, Pitbull got the best of him uh, the first time around and second time around. I see Patricio Pitbull getting the best of him once again. Yeah, I think this is a case where history will repeat itself. Uh, the first fight was not that long ago. It's not like uh, Holloway and uh, Pori where those guys were just at, be at the beginning of their careers. Uh, Pitbull is going to you know, make history repeat itself. Yeah, we'll talk about a few fights on this card. Uh, we've got Naomi Gracie versus Jason Jackson, an incredible co-main event that they have. We've got Usman Numaga Madoff. Uh, we've got Tyro Fortune, Roger Hurtar returning back uh, to, to Benetton Cage for a few years. Uh, we've got Mandel Niala. He's also a good prospect. And we also got Magomed Magomedov. There's some great fighters on this card, and I can't wait to see them. Uh, but yeah, we'll start off with the co-main event, uh, Naomi Gracie versus uh, Jason Jackson. This is an intriguing matchup. Uh, as of late, Jason Jackson has been looking good. Beat Benson Henderson in his last fight. Then beat Jordan Main. And then beat Kurichi Kumoto. But he has lost to Ed Roof to a via split decision. And Naaman Gracie in his last fight got that submission against none other than John Fitch. Uh, but he has that loss against Roy McDonald for the belt. And um, in my opinion, I, I see Naaman Gracie getting the better out of uh, Jason Jackson this fight. Uh, Jason Jackson obviously is on a good run at the moment. Uh, but I think Nathan Gra uh, Gracie, all you, all you have to talk about, I, I talk about his name, Naaman Gracie. Gracie, you know, that's all you need to really know how good he is on the ground. He's incredible on the ground. Um, and I think he takes his fight to the floor and gets that submission. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. Jason Jackson has never been submitted before. And if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be a Gracie who's just going to latch onto a leg, an arm, whatever he needs. And he's probably going to get that submission. Uh, we, we've seen guys in the past. I Can you uh, zoom in on that a little bit? I yeah, can't read it's, it too well. it's when Jason Jackson got submitted on Ultimate Fighter 21. Oh, I completely forgot. Oh, my God. I didn't watch that Ultimate Fighter season yet. Uh, yeah, he did get submitted before in the first round. So that's why my pick is Neiman Gracie by first round submission. Yeah, yeah, that that was interesting. Uh, he, you know, he he got submitted versus uh, Mike Graves uh, in the over twenty one when they did was it was it ATC versus Black, uh, Black Zillions. That was that was a great that was a great season. Tremendous season. Uh, Vicente Luque came out of that season. 
Yeah, that, that was an incredible season. Uh, I love that season. Uh, I think I watched the full episodes. It was incredible. It was entertaining. Uh, so we're both going with Naaman Gracie in that fight. And uh, we'll talk about Usman Nurgam, Numaga made off quickly. All right. Around the rider cooler, the, the AKA camp keeps on saying that Usman Nurmagomedov is the guy. They're saying that he's better than Islam. He's better than Habib. They're saying he's excellent on the feet and on the ground. And that's just a scary thought. If you're being talked about uh, to be in the ballpark of a Habib Nurmagomedov skill set, I'll definitely have my eye on you. And I got my eye on this guy. He's undefeated just like uh, Habib was. And he's probably going to showcase the skills here. He's a huge favorite. He's expected to win. And I do think there's nowhere to go but up from uh, his current position. He just signed a Bellator. And I do think they gave him somewhat of a favorable matchup here. This is a guy uh, in Usman who's, who's comfortable wherever this fight goes. But he's probably going to take it to the ground and eventually get a ground upon finish. Yeah, I agree with you. I believe this might be a favorable matchup for him. Uh, but, you know, if you're getting praise from DC, um, Javier Mendez, um, Luke, Habib, Rockhold. Luke Rockhold, you're the real deal. If you're getting praise from them, the high stature of them, you, you, there's there's a bit about you. And that's uh, we're going to see it uh, this weekend. I think we're going to see a tremendous performance from Usman Nurmagomedov, Madoff. And uh, we're going to see, you know, he's actually the real deal. Um and it's a bit of a bummer that he is in Bellator because, you know, he, he probably would have, you know, mixed things up inside the, the UFC. Yeah, there's uh, there's no reason for those guys from AKA to lie. They, they've got nothing uh, riding on this. They just can recognize a high-level talent like Usman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that, that's all we uh well we have uh, 255 uh, on Bellator 255 uh, shows sh starts again this weekend live on Showtime. They usually uh, they just got that deal on Showtime, which is huge for them. Uh, but yeah, great card all around. Jack May stepping in a short notice against Tyree Fortune. Otherwise, we would have saw match uh, Matt Mitrione fighting again uh, against Tyree Fortune. Uh, uh, yeah. I heard uh I heard Mitrione was out of the fight. Might be COVID and an injury. I, I don't know. Yeah, but he Matt is out of the fight. Yeah, Jack May stepped in uh, for the fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have Roger Herter, uh, an MMA legend, uh, fought in the UFC, uh, now fighting uh, for Bellator. Hasn't fought in a while, but he returns back to the cage versus Chris Gonzalez. Uh, we got uh, Mandel Nalo as well. He's a great prospect coming from Canada, and then we have another Russian prospect in Magomed Magomedov. Uh, this guy is only—he's known for one thing. He's the only guy to ever do, well. Set from Aljamain Sterling, of course. He's the only other guy to defeat Peter Young. Yeah, uh, that was uh, just a tremendous performance by uh, Magomed. I honestly think Peter Young did win that fight where uh, Peter lost. But Magomed, uh, his wrestling is a uh, next level. And if you're like uh, a young Peter Young who doesn't quite yet have that high-level uh, wrestling defense, you're going to lose to him. And I don't think uh, CJ Hamilton has uh, that elite wrestling defense uh, like Peter Jan does now to uh, survive uh, Magomed Magomedov. Yeah, if you look at he's lost two in his last five. Uh, and then two listeners wish to Johnny Flick and Jordan Espinosa, two UFC of one ones. One's now a former UFC fighter. But yeah, Johnny Flick uh, uh, submitted him. Uh, so maybe a potentially a submission win here for Magomed Magomedov. Yeah, that's what I see going down. I, I think it happens in the second round. 
Yeah, incredible, incredible card with Bellator 255. Pitbull versus Sanchez. Uh, I'm excited for this weekend. Some great fights. And uh, I can't wait to tune in to watch them. So from me, we're going to end the episode here. So from me and Oscar, a very good buy. And I hope you enjoy the fights this weekend. Yeah, absolutely enjoy them.